Hey guys, Mr. Edomax here. Uh, before we get into this episode, we had a tough loss in the ski industry this week. Friend of the show, friend of mine, friend of the podcast, supporter, uh, fellow Fisher Ski athlete, Kyle Smain passed away in an avalanche. I, I don't really know what to say. There's never anything good to say when it comes to loss and dealing with loss. I can tell you that he, we weren't close friends. We didn't call each other. We didn't text each other. But anytime I came in town, uh, he had a smile on his face. He welcomed me with opened arms. So I guess I'm just saying, call your loved ones. Bury the hatchet with any old friends you might be fighting with. Because um, life is short. So Kyle, the greatest all-around skier ever. Thanks for being there. Thanks for being the friend and then the little bit I knew, that I knew you. With that being said, I have a fantastic episode. I pre-recorded everything else. So this is just an intro I'm recording now off the cuff. Again, call your friends. Tell them you love them. Kyle, from myself, from the collective, we love you. Thank you for everything you did for skiing and the ski community. This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Hello, hello, hello. It's the Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. NMX. You're listening on the Out of Collective. It's such a fun, fun episode this week. Uh, I didn't really know where I was going to go with it. Uh, she's been on a lot of podcasts. She's been on a lot of covers of magazines. She's been in Warren Miller films. Um... She's kind of done it all. Amy Engerbretson. Engerbretson. I think I'm saying that right. Amy Engerbretson. She's done it all. Uh, from like ski modeling to being a professional skier. That's the whole thing. Is like she kind of started as a ski model. Maybe she didn't. But she was always good at skiing. And we just she kind of chatted for a bit. So... The episode's so much fun, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. But before we get into that episode, uh, I got to give a little shout out to all the brands that make this thing work. And my first brand this week is Deuter. Head on over to D-E-U-T-E-R.com. Go look at what they have to offer. Uh, I am loving, absolutely loving this Freerider Pro 34 Plus. It's my go-to ski touring backpack. And I like it because it fits like a 30, but has the storage of 44. Extra 10 liters. I know there's a long pause there. I just had to make sure I knew what I was talking about there for a second. Uh, it's phenomenal. It weighs less than 1,300 grams. It fits my body. It's got a ton of straps so I can like store gear, ice axe, crampons, snowboard, skis, uh, I could probably carry boots if I needed to. It's got a helmet holder, hip belt, uh, you know, special pocket for my skins and my goggles. I like I am. I've never been more in love with a bag. Uh, full roll top, uh, roll top closure that gets you an extra 10 liters of capacity. Again, I'm telling you, it fits like a 30. It is a 34. It fits like a 30 and has a capacity of a 44. It's unbelievable. Head on over to Deuter.com. D-E-U. T-E-R dot com. 
new sponsor alert. I don't know if it's a new sponsor. We're just continuing our partnership with our friends over at Rumple. And I love to say it, but Amy and I share a sponsor here. Uh, she had just signed with Rumple. They've got a whole thing coming out. It's super, super rad. Uh, I love everything they do. And I just got a new Sherpa puffy blanket. It combines impossibly soft Sherpa fleece with their tried and true original puffy blanket. This thing's insane. Like, I will never use another blanket again to go to bed. It is so good. It's weather resistant, uh, synthetic insulation, impossibly soft Sherpa fleece. Head on over to rumple.com. Check out what they have. I mean, it's blankets, it's towels, it's gear, but check out their team. They're signing athletes, they're supporting athletes, they're supporting brands like us, so we should support brands like them. Um, they're, they're so amazing. I love everything they do over at Rumple. So head on over to rumple.com, check them out. Super hyped on this partnership, and enjoy the episode. Amy, this is my favorite part of the entire show because I don't do an intro. I know you actually had a podcast, so you like know how it goes. I just let you tell everyone who Amy is to Amy. We just jump right in. Uh, who Amy is. Amy is Amy is this kind of like weird little intense person that like lives inside my head. <laughs> but to the outside world, I'm a I'm a smiley skier from California and um I think that's probably what people know me best for. <laughs> what do you wish people knew you for? Uh Probably more just my actual skiing rather than the fact that I smile while I ski, but also maybe my work ethic. I think like, I think my actual skiing and like my grace and technique and then my, the amount of work that I put into everything I do is like what I personally am like most proud of usually, like, especially like that's what I try to come back to when you're in those like doom spirals of self-hate, you know? Oh, like, what I, I know I all about to? it. <laughs> but... I mean, it's good. Like, people know me for my bad hair. Like, it's good to have a gimmick. At least your gimmick is like, oh, she smiles when she skis. Like, that's better than, like, oh, that guy's hair sucks. I mean, it's interesting. It's the only way it grows. Like, that's yeah. it. I don't have a choice. I'm bald or I have this, like, peninsula on my head. Which lean I call in. Yeah, yeah. That, that should be the name of this podcast. Just lean <laughs> in. You had a podcast. I just found out that it got canceled. I knew it stopped, but I didn't know it like got canceled. That yeah. Does... Go ahead. I had a podcast. Uh, we did five seasons. It was called Long Underwear. And the premise of it was that I would talk with ski professional skiers and snowboarders, but we couldn't talk about actually skiing or snowboarding. We called it the S word. And so the idea was kind of more like fun, off the cuff, like icebreaker type questions to kind of get to know uh, the people underneath the athletes just to kind of get away from like the traditional like skier podcast where we all talk about like our same like white privileged lives that like we all have the same story you know <laughs> it's like okay you're not that unique um, oh you grew up in San Francisco <laughs> and your parents had a place in Tahoe that's cool yeah I can't like believe these yeah. opportunities existed for you we could try like really hard to make our stories sound unique and different and cool but like at the end of the day it's pretty dang similar so it's but but then when you know these people like the way I feel like all these athletes are my friends and peers and you understand the nuances of people's brains and I find like personally it's so interesting like what people are into outside of skiing um and so that was the premise behind the podcast it was a run through Warren Miller and it was super fun Jesse Hackett 
worked at Warren Miller at the time. And we kind of just like, we're drinking beers one day in Boulder and we're like, let's make a podcast. And, and then we did. <laughs> and, and well, we had Warren Miller behind us. It was very like DIY style. So like Jesse and I just kind of like bootstrapped it. And I think people liked it. I think uh, it got a lot of listens. And then as with anything that's part of a big company, you know, somebody at the top shifted focus and decided it, it they didn't want to do it anymore. And so they just said, Hey, when you interview Cody Townsend, it'll be your last. And I was like, are you sure? And they were like, yep. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden I didn't have a podcast anymore. And, you know, there's, there's thoughts of keeping it going or restarting it. Um, but I don't, uh, you know, they should tell you before you become a professional skier that you should get a law degree. I didn't have like a contract where I maintained any rights to like the name or the idea, even though that was it all came from me. And I also wouldn't retain any rights to any of the listens or any of the following we had amassed. So like having the motivation, I guess, to start from scratch has been hard for me to find because I've had a lot of people be like, bring it back or do it with me or all those things. And I've just kind of been like, oh, I don't know. It is a lot. And I really enjoyed doing it. I loved being a podcast host. It was was some work, obviously, as you know, like it it took some time. but I really enjoyed it. And I think other people enjoyed it. Like it was really fun when I'd be out skiing and people would be like, Hey, like you're Amy, right? Like I listen to your podcast and I'd be like, cool. You know, it's such a weird thing. Like, well, it's funny cause it's an audio thing, but then they like recognize your face and they put it together and it's, yeah, you're probably a little more used to it though, because <laughs> you're actually a pro skier. Like I am nothing. And then I have this platform and it's growing and not everywhere, but it happens in these circles of people like, oh, my God, you're Adam. And you're like, yeah, I <laughs> like, that is me. And I am him. Like, as I'm like showering in like the bathroom of some shitty restaurant or like, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, still in the van, still doing it. Great. But you it is valid. No, it's cool. Like, it feels weird because you're like, huh? Like, I don't I'm not like actually a celebrity. I don't know how to deal with this, but. Then it also, to me, like, I don't know if you feel this way, but it feels really cool when someone, like, gives you a call out like that and validates that, like, I mean, you're just sitting here behind your computer with your microphone and you don't actually interact with anyone. So when you get those interaction points. Oh, it's um, phenomenal. It's not even cool from, like, an ego thing. It's cool, like, this is easy, quote, unquote. Like, I, but, like, I have to DM a thousand pro athletes who don't know who I am and, like, hope they answer and then, like, give them, like, a quick pitch of, like, I promise you we're kind of relevant and like the it'll do well and people will listen and like, it's good. It's worth your time. And that like, but people don't see that. And it's not a woe is me, but like, and then you hear or see somebody who's at the ski resort and they're like, Oh, I love that episode. And you're like, thank like, yeah, that is nice to hear. So yeah, I don't know. What was your favorite? I like, I always wonder what other podcast hosts think. Cause like, what was your favorite part of doing it? my favorite part of doing it was recording. Like I definitely liked like being, you know, in a one-on-one conversation and I, and my, and it was a lot of the people on my podcast I knew pretty well and like spent a fair amount of time with like for the most part, but it was really fun when like you're just, you would design, I would kind of like premeditate the questions and stuff quite a bit. And you think, you know what people are going to say, but like when someone surprises you, 
or like it almost feels like they're beating you at your own game right like because you're like i'm the host i'm gonna steer this ship and like i'm in control and then they just like i forget who who was it i was like joking i was like that person just beat me at my own podcast like i, I got that. oh you want to know who it was it was sam smoothie yes. that guy was so witty and so funny and just kept throwing everything right back at me and and basically i was lost and didn't even know i was being made fun of and like <laughs> i remember stopping recording that episode and i was like that guy just podcasted me like i just got schooled <laughs> i love that because that's like what i you will find out I do as a host or at least try to, but it's also like someone said my podcast is like swinging at curveballs. Like you're the batter and they know that like when you're up to bat, the pitcher's going to throw a curveball and you're going to try to either knock it out of the park or you're going to whiff. And like some athletes are like, what did you just ask me? And then, and nothing's like offensive, but like, I just, like I have like 200 questions that are just, I could ask (laughs) like any I could ask Joe Biden these questions and he would be like, what? Like, it doesn't matter who the person is, but I just keep them in stock so that I can hopefully never get out podcasted on my own podcast. Well, maybe avoid Sam Smoothie. Or just... maybe it's an epic battle. <laughs> like, this is this is it. At least now you've been warned. And so, you know, if you have him on the podcast to be prepared for. Battle. Yeah, I don't. But I think that's the best part. Like, to me, that's my favorite part is like, I think. And I'm speculating. I've been doing this for two years. This will be episode like 98 or something. I think the guest comes in with this preconceived notion of the bullshit questions I'm going to ask. And then when they're done, they're like, none of that was hit. But (laughs) we covered all of the important things in my career. That works. We'll find That's out. Good. This is you can again, like you listen to the podcast and say, so then you think you have an idea what's coming. And now I think I don't know what's coming. You so. have no idea. Yeah. That's the I, best part. I mean, I really don't. <laughs> I have no clue. So you'll never bring it back. I mean, I would never say never. I just don't have plans to write this second. I, I really liked the podcast that I made and I'm not inspired for a different podcast. I don't have tons of free time that I'm trying to fill. Um, so like, there's no, unfortunately, cause I do get messages about it kind of often, like when's long underwear coming back. And, uh, I, I don't have plans to reboot it right this moment. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll think of a different podcast. I really want to host. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I like the concept uh, concepts. The hardest part is just being authentic to yourself and giving something different, right? Like what? Right. There's a lot of avenues out there and some people listen just because they like the host's voice or like they like the questions they ask or but like now someone just tweeted about Joe Johnson just tweeted about it from Solomon was like it's the same guests on repeat and the same questions and it's like I love it like I he's not wrong so it maybe got out at the right time maybe I'm just on a sinking ship what I'm saying is pro skiers just aren't that interesting. Like, they, I don't think it's you guys in making the podcast. I think it's maybe just us being, like, super homogenous. No. It's I, like, yeah, yeah, basic bullshit. Heard this one before. <laughs> I don't know, though. I think if you ask the right questions, you get better answers. Because you're a human. Like, but you're right now you're on as Amy, the pro athlete. The smiley pro athlete. Right? Like, that's. <laughs> so I have to I have to break that. And that's my job. There we go. So what's your favorite plant? 
Favorite plant. Um, I mean, I like low-key hate plants um, because I kill them and they need water and they need like attention. But then like I want to be this trendy person that has all these cute plants (laughs) all over their house and then they die and then they're like so much more expensive than you want them to be. Um, So my favorite outdoor plant, and again, this is based on like it looks nice and doesn't really need any attention, lavender. Okay. And indoor snake plants. I don't know what a snake plant is. They're like the ones, they're like the trendy ones that's in everybody's Pinterest that like grow straight up and have like the kind of wavy long okay. leaf thing. And you, you, they're real hard to kill. I've done it, but they last longer than anything else. Cause I don't, I like leave my house for like three months at a time. And yeah, it's cold and no light. And like, like, Thanks. Bye. You know, <laughs> what about fake plants? Not into it. Oh, I'm super anti like silk plants. I know that quality isn't like it like gotten better and I know they can look kind of okay now, but I just have this like thing in my mind of like really cheesy like silk plants and then they're always like dusty and they look like <laughs> I don't know, like just I'm looking cheesy. at my fake plant right now and I'm like, it does, she doesn't mean that by any means. <laughs> but I'm in a van. What am I gonna do? I can't have like a van. If you had a real plant in a van. No, I don't have it. I can't. I can't. I just dump essential oil in there so it smells good, and I just change it. Smells like a plant. That's my. That's my strategy. It's also trim. Like if you've ever built a van or like, it's just a lot of weird corners. Oh my god! I just put a fake plant there. Yeah, perfect. Then it's it's good. Yeah, I'm not good with plants. So I like. I want to be, but I'm just not. Like I'm not a great gardener. I don't have. I live in like a tiny like townhouse condo. I don't have space or time to. Maybe I have this like vision and like later in my life, I'll get into like gardening and plants, but they just, That's it's like, it's so, it's so annoying too. Cause they, they give you like the same feedback for all problems. Right. <laughs> it's like, I'm dying. You're watering me too much. You're not watering me enough. I have too much light. I'm too cold. I'm too hot. Like, but no matter what, they're like just dying and you just never know. And then you like ask people who think they're good at plants and like, Hey, what's going on? Like all my plants are dying. Like, and they're like, yeah, it could be like 17 things. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Like, there's, I, like, what the hell, you know? Like, yeah, super I, high maintenance, really. It's like princess and the pea status with those plants, I think. All of them. I, there's some truth to that. I didn't, I mean, I guess I never really thought about it, but yeah, I don't bother. Like, I don't think I have the, I had a business partner who notoriously just killed plants. And I was like, Sarah, stop getting plants. Like, we owned a photography business, we had a studio, and it looked great. But, yeah. like, not when, like, everything's They're dead. dead and we're like trying to convince these wedding clients that we have our shit together like well we can't even water these things and we're here every day plants are hard i don't know but it would be cool to like be sustainable at some point in my life like grow yeah. I, I keep some basil alive in the kitchen in the summer that's baby steps yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I want to talk about Snow Pony. I know it's a little older. It's not old, but everything's old. Like if it's more than three months old, it's old. But was this your idea? I loved the idea that like <laughs> this is the world from my snowmobile. <laughs> I loved making Snow Pony. Um, it it was my idea, but it was a little bit of a ripped off idea. There was uh, this. Uh, it was a Toyota. I think it was. I can't remember if it was Toyota or Ford. There was a truck like uh, commercial that TGR did a few years back called the rise of red. And it was this 
trip um, that Coulter Hinchcliffe and Tim Durchy went on in this truck that they were doing a commercial for. Um, and the truck told was the narrator of the story. And this guy, Pat Fokey, it was his idea. It was his voice. And he directed this piece. And when I like saw that, I just like t- totally globbered onto it as like inspo for Snow Pony. And I ended up having this guy, Pat Fokey, help me with Snow Pony. He filmed a couple days and I hit him up. I'm like, dude, I love your idea. Can I totally rip it off? And he was like, yeah, for sure. You know, like, um, yeah, but you asked, so it's not a rip off if you like, but it's like, what is that phrase? Like mimicking is the highest form of flattery. That's not the phrase, but But that's the idea. Yeah, we get it. Um, and so, yeah, it was my idea. And and I wrote the script, um, cause it was funny cause I kind of was like writing the script in my head, like the whole year we were filming for it. And I think like Jeff Wright, the guy, like my roommate at the time that directed it and filmed a lot of it. I don't think he really liked the idea or thought it was funny, but I was oh, like, so I into it. it. I like forced him to do it. And I had my friend Megan Michelson edit my script and like help me with my script. And the first version of the script I sent to her, she was like, Amy, you can't say any of this. <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm making fun of myself. She's like, no way. <laughs> and Not so, at all. She's like, hard no on this, on this, on this. Because there was like a Snow Pony script, like V1 draft that um, was definitely not PG-13. We'll just put it that way. I was going to say, like, the only way where my brain went was like, oh, there's just sexual references everywhere about, like, riding yeah. this snowmobile. And it was, like, maybe a little, like, sexist in, like, a funny way. Like, I thought it would be funny if, like, the snow pony was, like, a little more, like, spicy kind of. Which, yes, know. but, like, maybe not for 16 minutes. Totally. But, um, but yeah, no, that one was super fun. And then actually the voice recording, I don't know if you know who Matt Reardon is. He's a professional skier from a different era. He's a Tahoe, um, a Tahoe local. And he is like a musician, like a really well-known musician. He had this band called black sunshine and they had like a top 20 hit and he's like helped do stuff for Nickelback. And he's this like kind of wild character who was, who was also a pro skier at different points in his life or throughout his life. I think he's still even, kind of is a pro skier still now. And so he did the voice recording, which was really fun. Cause I actually submitted, like I went to a voice, a voiceover website and I like did a, a voice casting. So I was like, okay, I want older, like Western, like crusty. And I got, and I, you send out like a sample of the script and then they send back, um, I think I got like 200 submissions of like different voices for the script. And um, anyways, I ended up just thinking it would be fun to go with somebody I knew. Um, Isn't that how it always works though? Like you do all this effort to like, you listen to 200 voiceovers. You're like, I'm just going with my buddy. Kinda. Yeah. I mean, I think cause he had the, he's actually from Louisiana. So he had like a different kind of funny twang to him. That was maybe not exactly what I was wanting, but um, I liked that since he and I have a relationship and he actually helped me a lot in my early ski career. I think some of that like endearing tone that snow pony ends up having towards me reads a little more authentically because I think Matt actually like has that kind of like mentor type role in my life. And so, um, but yeah, it was super fun. I love snow pony and I, it was a bummer to have it released during COVID because it would have been really fun. I never got to show that one on like a big screen with big sound. And I spent a lot of time, uh, getting really good music for that project. Yeah, um, I was going to say, you have like, you bought some rights there. 
I did, but I was able to keep it pretty reasonable. We didn't really spend any more than like $2,000 a track. So we like mixed and I spent so much time on the rights free stuff stuff for the filler music to get through. But we, we bought three title tracks. We brought, bought a Margot Price song, um, Kids in America song, and a Tommy James and the Shodells song. Which I mean, I just love it with the music, and I love showing those things live and having a bumping sound system. And so it was a bummer to like release it from like my computer alone in my house. But um, right, but someday I, I want to bring it bring it back and show it on the big screen. I got a new snow pony though, like I got a new snowmobile, and I've already in my head been like crafting snow pony too. Like it's not in the works yet, but my new snow pony is definitely like a very sexy woman. She's like not black, like she's classy, but also you're like you're a little scared of her. Why are we not pitching this to said Snow Pony company? Well, she's so her name is SPJ Snow Pony Janet. Oh, Janet is spicy. Yeah, yeah, Miss Jackson. If you're nasty, okay, but it's also an ode to S to SJP because it's SPJ SJP Sarah Jessica Parker, huge Sex and City fan. Like I was raised on that, so. Um, again, these things only probably make sense in my head, but now when I'm out riding her, I'm like in my head thinking about the voice I would cast for SPJ. I love that. I just like, to me, that video was relatable. Like it made me want to go buy a snowmobile and like call my friends and like go. (laughs) And like you started the movie with two fenders on your trailer. And I don't know if there's two at the end. Definitely. I don't know who notices those things, but I do. Dude, that trailer was such a liability, too. I know exactly what trailer that is. It's a Harbor Freight. Yeah. $400, and it comes, it's like the. It folds up. It's no, I didn't get to fold. Oh, you didn't get the Gucci. But I didn't build it to fold. But it was more like I got it from Harbor Freight, and it's like. It's like IKEA on steroids. It's just this pile of steel and like 100 volts. Oh, I've built one. And I know exactly I what you have. Handy. I also didn't know the difference. I'm like really not a handy person. And I didn't know the difference between like particle board and like real plywood. So I was like, this one's cheap. Uh, I noticed one. all of this. I was like, did she get this just for the movie? And like that fender's going to fall off. And then it fell off. And I was like, oh my God, I know exactly. And then you guys couldn't get it to. Was like, it was basically like a paper mache snowmobile trailer. Yeah. Like, it's just crumbling trying to screw things into it to like make it easier to load and stuff. And then it would just like rip out because it was soaking wet and I didn't like treat it. And I love um, like none of the lights ever worked. And then one time I like jumped it, the sled over and got it like stuck on the tongue of the trailer, but the skis were under the trailer and it was just, I, but I got, so with my new sled, I got like a sick, like style trailer. I still have already lost one fender, but I got another one. I put it back on. Very and proud. I I unfortunately lost my license plate because I didn't I, bolts. I just don't get bolts super well. <laughs> um, whatever happened in my like childhood, it, it didn't align with understanding making bolts work. <laughs> they make this stuff called Loctite and just put it on for everything. I've, actually, I've heard about that. I'm learning about this Loctite. They which... used to spend a lot of money in the ski industry. Funny enough, they used to like sponsor <laughs> the X Games and it would be like. Sage Kotzenberg, sponsored by Loctite. And it was like, what? Well, Loctite, you should do that. You should get back into that because I need to be marketed at because I keep losing stuff all over the week, like the U.S. because I don't have Loctite on my bolts. 
So I mean, if you have a pitch deck, send it. Now is the time. I'm sure the Loctite marketing person is just waiting to jump on something at the store. Snow Pony 2 presented by Loctite. Do you remember how much money they put in like when the X Games was like popping? It was I mean, like sure it, was fun. it was Levi LaValley was getting a chat like six figure contracts and they were like, What do you need to do? And they're like, just just go ride. Like ride your snowmobile. Or Sage's contract was he just went he has like this really bad you can YouTube it commercial and he's like, I only use Loctite in my snowboard bolts or something like bad. Like it's just and good on him, right? But it was just that era of like talking like it was forty years ago, but like I'm sure that's one of those like sponsors where you're like, Well, this is a funny trade that I'm trained that I'm gonna ride for a while. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it was like Harley got in and then it really went to shit, but like Harley was in the X game. Like, yeah, I'll take Harley's money. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And a motorcycle. Like, why wouldn't we? But yeah, Loctite. You should get Loctite and they- I've I've I'm learning this. I've just learned I like a grease gun and the bearings and stuff and the I'm kind of figured that out a little bit and i was so. just waiting for like i'm like okay there's 16 minutes in here there's got to be a section where this trailer fails like the second i saw it i was like this is gonna fail and then i the saw missing. fenders missing and i was like i'd be in these parking lots and like all the sledders have like rigs thousand dollars trailers you know and i'm like pulling up in my subaru with this like and this i was in canada this guy's like did you drive that all the way from california and i was like yeah and i'm hopefully driving it all the way back yeah, which I do miss. Like, we used to just do shit and not care. We just had a huge snowstorm in Buffalo, and I, I have my van, which is like a tank. Then I also have a Prius, which is not a tank. And I had to go to Boston for work and then come back, and I, like, texted all these people, and they're like, you're not going to make it. Like, no way. And then I texted, like, my old high school friend, and he's like, you've been through worse with worse. And I was like, that's the shit I need. Like, because I don't care about the Prius, so I just barreled through everything. You Ignorance is bliss. Now we're like, well, you gotta have this, and I'm like, I'm a lot less stressed with the new trailer, and I can load the trailer like totally by myself. And like every time I interact with my trailer, I'm just like, thank you. This is this is the best. (laughs) Does your trailer have a name? Entire life. Does your trailer have a name? No. Is it enclosed? My savior, Jesus, my savior, the trailer. We're gonna cancel for this. Um, does is it enclosed or is it still open? No, it's. Oh, I'm not like that bougie. We're still rolling around with this Subaru, you know. But it does have a little uh, gravel guard, which I felt like was a big. That's come a up. huge upgrade. And I can lock my trailer to my car, and I can lock my sled to my trailer, which I think is also a big come up. We're moving up in the world. Um, and like I'm pretty like fast now with all the stuff you know at the trailhead like nobody's really waiting on does it have the things that locks your skis down it doesn't have a super clamp but it has this like rotating thing with like an arm that yeah. sucks it down all right yeah so you're doing the super, okay I feel like the super clamp is like a little bit more like boss babe you know like all my like friends that have like their but that's like if it's on your truck and you're cool yeah and like yeah i don't it's such a chase like we're always just trying to be cooler. And I'm like, how are these people driving? Like, okay, you're driving a $100,000 truck with your $22,000 sled, and then you live with 15 people in Boulder. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, sometimes at those trailheads, it blows my mind the amount. I'm just like, how much money? This is a lot. Wow. Yeah, it's nuts. 
<laughs> and then I'm on shit, and I'm like, and they look back, and I'm like, I'm right here. You will yeah, not lose. You're me. here. I'm here. I'm I mean, right here. My, new, my new sled is. I'm really stoked on it. I like it. I mean, I. But what's great is so Snow Pony original. Um, I sold him to the director and filmer and old roommate Jeff Wright. So Snow Pony's still in the family. We still go out together. Um, <laughs> Like I get to see him all the time. I I actually like literally cried. <laughs> I am so not attached to things like I'm that. Not either, but because I had made it in my head, I like I became attached to this character that I created for the project. And like when I was selling him, I was like, "Look, man, I'm sorry. Like you've been great. Like it's not you, it's me." We're you getting know? into a mental health thing now. We're just diving <laughs> deep into mental health. No, I loved it. I really did. I thought it was. One, it made me want to, like, go get a snowmobile and go skiing, which is, like, nice. Because I think a lot of times ski porn is cool, but it's just ski porn. Like, I don't have a helicopter. I probably don't have much access to one that often, like, unless I want to work for a living. And if I work for a living, then I don't get to go on helicopters. So, like, it's this conundrum that I'm in. Like, lawyers are like, oh, I get to go heli skiing three times a year. And, like, I get to ski every day. Right. Like, you got to, I mean, it's raining and shit. I don't know. But, well, the, the saying is that sleds are a poor man's heli, but my, I think the saying should be sleds are a, a slightly less rich man's heli. <laughs> sleds aren't cheap anymore. They used to be kind of affordable. Even like the like, uh, you know, used sleds aren't as cheap as they used to be either. Like what I bought Snow Pony for, I sold it for like what I bought it for after riding it very poorly for like three years. Well, COVID helped the price of everything used. Everything was just like, yeah. I'll buy that. What? Yeah. But no, that's awesome. I I loved that project. That was super fun to to do. And um, I don't I, know. It's fun when you sometimes after you work on a project for a super long time, especially when I was I was like really involved in in editing that one. You you end up like hating them, kind of right? Yeah, you're listed you, as a producer. I saw that. And uh, I just I like have such fondness. Like I showed that piece somewhere recently, and I was like, oh, I still like really like this. I still like the music. Like. You know, it's just feel good. Because, it's feel good. It's yeah, long it's enough to be like to make fun of me. Like, you know, like, well, it shows struggles, I, too, though, because we only we only see like the three minutes in a clip of like, oh, Amy's like fucking rules. Like she just does <laughs> rad lines and like she never crashes and she's smiling and she's on all these covers like cool. She's like, oh, no, I actually suck at stuff, too. And that's like the best part. No, I suck at a lot of things. Life. One thing I can't put on the Internet, it would be way too thirst trappy, is I had a sled incident a weekend ago. And my entire left butt cheek is one huge, dark, purple, red and green bruise right now. See, you but like, I, if I put that on the Internet, it's like, yeah, it's like butt snorkelers or something, you know? Yeah. I interviewed, <laughs> that's that, what you I interviewed that guy once. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Never got he, aired. Todd knows that guy. Like he remembers yeah. when he started Butt Snorkeler, and like he's like, "What, dude?" It's now a, he's like super it's successful. A, it's a thing. Well, there's a lot of butt snorkelers out there. I don't know but, if Butt Snorkeler would like the like really bruised. No, ass. it needs to be clean ass. <laughs> My thing is like, why not put it on your TikTok? Because like you got to grow I that could, now. So like that real. one's. Be real, could it could fly and be real, maybe. Be real, like, but like TikTok, you put the thirst trap to grow that. That's true. I do need. I went lightly viral on TikTok a couple weeks ago with a clip of um, Emily Childs like eating shit really bad on a snowboard. <laughs> yeah, people love crashes. It kind of popped, but then like my channel didn't. I didn't. I didn't continue to go viral after that, unfortunately. But maybe if I is that refreshing for you? 
like, or is it frustrating? So, like, your Instagram's popping. You post something, people care. You get creepy DMs. You get, like, send me feet pics. And then you, like, you post feet pics on TikTok, and no one even cares about your feet. I mean... I still just don't really know what I'm doing on TikTok. So I kind of like that I don't have a lot of followers over there because I like not the pressure of like looking like a, I know what I'm doing. I follow this awesome when I started because when I first got on TikTok, I was like, what the fuck? Like, how are people so talented and funny? And like, how is everybody doing this? And then I found an account, TikTok over 30. Oh. Teaches you how to do TikTok. Like all the stuff, all the tricks. Cause like actually people are not talented. They just know how to use the app, you know? Yeah, I'm ter- I'm like convinced I have the best stuff on the internet on TikTok and like no one cares. And I'm like, if someone who is relevant did this, it would make them more relevant. Well, I need, I mean, my problem with TikTok is I like, I go like it's, it's all on or nothing. Like I feel like when I'm on a TikTok, like, uh craze it takes like all my energy and i am on it so much and i just get super stuck and then i'm like oh my god i can't do this and i like don't post for like two weeks and i'm like oh wait tiktok tiktok i gotta do this because like instagram doesn't work anymore and um i hate it i but i love it i think i actually enjoy what i see on tiktok a lot more than what i see on instagram okay i don't i haven't gotten into it which is crazy i'm like i'm just over 35 is there an over 35 tiktok Maybe you could try. I mean, you might as well just like bump up a whole just box die? and see if there's like a TikTok over forty. I just die now. Like this is it. <laughs> like I just. But I I like doing all the dumb dances and stuff too. You know, I'm like I want to do the one I... thing about me. I like that one. I don't know if that's still trending. But one the... thing about me. I know that one thing. But you kind of need uh someone else to do it with you. And there was a different Nicki Minaj or there's different dance to a different part of that song that I did learn, but now I can't find the sound. Whatever. Yeah, I. So uh, I guess my question is, you enjoy it then? Like you enjoy being, because I, I don't know. Like you put things on Instagram and it just goes, and like you, you look at the numbers. Well, you have it to. It doesn't really go anymore. Um, I think that like it, the social media in general, um, you know, it changes so fast. It's hard to like keep up with what works, right? And so I think sometimes you get lucky and. Um, like I put up a, a TikTok dance on Instagram recently and that kind of went low key viral, like by far my most viewed anything I've ever put on the internet compared to anything of me skiing or doing all these cool things. And I get like a little frustrated on Instagram, especially like you put up this like beautiful ski photo or this like sick line and people are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then you put up like this, like kind of bad selfie and everybody's like, Oh my God, I love this photo. And you're like, what? These are losers. You have terrible taste. Um, but <laughs> it's what they're fed, though. It's it's the robot that has bad taste. Like, well, and somebody told me once that like people follow me because they already know I'm a good skier, so they like seeing the non-ski stuff more. Right. That was like, a nice lie. That was a nice lie that your friend told you. There we go. Fine. But I think that I think social media, like, I have a like mixed relationship with. Like, I think one thing that I struggle with, like, in this moment in my career right now, is like. 10, 12, 15 years ago when I decided like, Hey, I want to be a professional skier and I'm going to dedicate my life to trying to make this dream happen. Whatever game I signed up to play back then. Totally different. Exist. It's not even, it doesn't different, but like the things that, that I wanted to do to win that game, I can't even do anymore. Like I go back and I look back at my like goals lists and, and half of those goals, you know, a couple I accomplished, but most of them I can't even, get anymore right like I, I can't get a cover of powder 
Um, and so it's just like super weird. Like we're in this time where I'm sitting here going like, okay, what is it that I do? Like, what is my, like, how do I sell my value to these brands? And I'm like, well, what am I even supposed to be doing? Like, there's no magazines, there's no films. Like people only watch me dancing for two seconds on the internet. Like what, like, where's my place in this? And I think, it's, you know, obviously I think people like blame social media for that in a way, cause it's changed the way we consume media. But at the same time, social media has opened up so much more in my career over the years in that, like, I basically became a pro skier as like social media was becoming very important. Um, and so throughout my career, I've been able to tell my own story and manage my own brand and not have it always be up to some editor or some writer to put my personality out there for people. So I've always like very much appreciated that opportunity. I don't think I'm like a social media savant and I think I've done a good job at like keeping it organic and not using algorithms and stuff like that. But it's like, now I'm like, what, like, I don't know. I just, I'm in a weird place. I'm like, what do, what are we even doing? Like, it's, it's, it's hard. I have no idea. I mean, we run our handle and like our most viral thing right now has like over half a million views. We have 22,000 followers. Like that's insane, but it's me and Patty O'Connell. I don't know if you know Patty O'Connell is. Just him and I shitting on cross-country skiing. Because him and I are the same person. But, like, yeah, but, like, that gets, like, it's still get like, people are now using the audio and making their clips. But then it'll be, like, then you have, like, you, like, actually skiing with talent and, like, ripping this line. Nobody cares. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> they do, though. It's just if they don't like care back, on social. If you, like, backflip into an avalanche... Then they, maybe they care, but like you they shouldn't might. really be backflap like backflipping into an avalanche anyway. Like we've got problems, right? But even still, yeah. you have to back you have to backflip into an avalanche and then be like, use like time to do some sketchy shit audio so that the algorithm yeah. then picks it up and feeds it, yeah. and that like it's. I sucks. think what bothers me more than that is like the using the and I do it. Um, and my partner Todd hates me every time. But like when you use the bad, bad, bad music that's like trending, but you, you just have use to. it. You but have it's like to. the worst song you've ever heard in your life. And it makes you want to like barf. Just you Oliver know? Tree on repeat. Like, algorithm, please love me. Please love me. What if I even use this terrible song? Will you please love me? But it works. It works. It does. It and, it like and then you're like, and then it's like rewarding you for like not really admirable behavior, you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm in this like super cruxy place of social media where like I, I still participate in it. And it's also become like at this point, it's like a, a revenue stream, right? Like there's, right. 100%. A, I have my sponsors that still very much work in um, the traditional way. Sometimes there are contracts that have uh, social media obligations in them. I guess all of them do at this point, but some are more heavy on that. And that's, those are the partnerships I pursue, but every once in a while, like a paid post comes along and it's quite a bit of money. And so I just kind of do it, you know, like you got to do what you got to do sometimes. I think that's okay. But I think if it is a paid post, you need to do it properly. Right. Like, cause there are some athletes who are just like, Oh, check out this watermelon. I love watermelon. (laughs) But then there are people who like naturally put it in. Like, I don't, you yeah. did a Sierra Nevada post, and it was uh, a. That is the sponsor, though. Yeah, but even still, like that's a good example. Yeah. Whether it's a paid partnership or it's a long term, but like, it was a nice photo shoot, 
of like you in a sweater and like boom, 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 boom. And it was like, great. I want a nice hops water now. Also a yeah. sponsor of this wonderful podcast. Drinking um, a right now. I saw that. There we go. I'm on brand without even knowing I'm on brand. I knew you'd be on brand. <laughs> I really like this stuff, by the way. But, um, but yeah, I just think that social media, like it's hard because it's like I do it because I need to. It takes a lot of energy out of like what I how the flow of a season used to be. Right. Like you used to like it's in addition to. Yeah. Like I, I hate like bitching about social media, but I spend so much time like on these paid posts, for example, like the brand will come in, there'll be like a 14 page deck, two rounds of approvals. You have to, they have, you have to submit your idea. The idea gets one round of approval. Then you have to go, you have to shoot the content, you have to edit all together. And like, you're doing this all over the course of like a month and a half. So then it's, you're trying to like slide it into your feed, like organically, yeah. like happened like two months ago. Um, and you're trying to like do it in a way where it's like you're going to make the brand happy to make the money that you need. But then you also don't want to like make your followers hate you, you know, <laughs> like, I just want to be I mean, I'll never be candied and I don't know if anyone ever will be. But like, hey, I'm going to post twice a year and they're going to break the Internet every time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to post it. I'm not even going to write a caption. Like, nope. I'm just going to this is it. Like, he's got to figure it figured out. Yeah, that's not my reality at all. Same. <laughs> I do throw stuff at it for a while. I'm also super not candied. So is I mean, anybody? No, no. I think that's why you can do it. So I think candied is Banksy. They're all the same person. What if they're just working together? They probably are. Banksy in on it. If they haven't met, those two should meet. They probably are. He's gonna like do a Banksy, and then like Candy's gonna like wall ride he's it. He's not like one of those athletes that's like out in the streets in New York. Like you know, he's just like no. He's just gonna wall ride it, but not say a word. Like Banksy's gonna like paint a piece, yeah, and then Candy's gonna like wall ride it, and that'll be the clip, and it'll break the internet again, and we'll be like, fuck. I mean, you should pitch that, and then and then take those take out those non fungible things or whatever on the idea, and then like get rich with your. NFTs. I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, don't really know anything about NFTs. Do you want to talk about NFTs? No. NFTs are rooting uh, the outdoor industry. End of sentence. Okay. That is that is my statement. I'll, I'll uh, keep not knowing about them then. <laughs> I don't know anything about them, honestly. I just see a lot of outside brands hopping on the bandwagon, and I don't yeah. approve. Um, let's talk. Hey, sorry guys, got to interrupt, but I have this amazing offer. This is a pitch. I'm telling you, this is as good as it gets. Head on over to cetus-usa.store or just Google Cetus, S-I-D-A-S. We are giving you, telling you, we're giving you something special here. Buy any Cetus drop-in insole, any 3D or three-feet product, and get any non-heated sock for free. Are you kidding me? Like ski socks are 30, 40 bucks, guys. Use code OOCBOGO. OOCBOGO. Any Cetus drop in insole and get a free non heated sock. Like free, people. Uh, you're getting. 25 30 40 dollar value on a ski sock by buying a drop in insole and here's the thing your boots are going to fit better your feet are going to feel better so you're paying 
55 bucks for an insole, you're getting a free pair of $40 socks. Find me a better deal. I dare you. O-O-C-B-O-G-O. These changed how my feet feel after I'm done skiing. I love everything about them. They keep my feet warm. I'm telling you, I am a firm believer in we spend so much time in our ski boots. We spend so much time making our ski boots fit. And then we forget the insoles. Go get yourself some Cetus insoles. They will change your fit. They will change how you ski. They'll keep your feet warmer, which will make you perform better. You will love everything about them. And we'll give you a free pair of ski socks. Use code O-O-C-B-O-G-O. We gotta, we're, we've been on for a while. Let's see, we gotta, we gotta skip through some stuff. Boots over brim. That was a neat project. That was cool. And is that, that history is my favorite project. I that's think. like a passion project. Like that was like a passion project that you got to show, like show the world, right? Uh, well, it was in theory, it was like my biggest project I've ever done because Sweetgrass Productions came on board as like the main production company behind the piece. And like for a lot of the solo projects I've done in the past were just like, me i mean passion as like from what i gather dancing was like your world skiing became your life you were better at skiing than dancing so you kind of like which is probably why you love dancing because it's harder so like this was like those two worlds combined i didn't mean passion project is in like you nailed it see that's definitely it and i definitely worked harder at dance in my younger years i think because i was worse at it um but but it was definitely a blend of my two passions and it was actually Zeppelin, uh, his idea, he's the director and he kind of came to me with this idea and I was like, Zepp, like that sounds really cool, but like it's super weird and nobody's going to like that. And it's just like too different. Like, I don't know, man, we should probably do something that like people will actually like. And then like, I kind of thought about it for like a week and I was like, I don't know, fuck it. Like that sounds so fun. And like something that I personally would really love. So like, fuck it, let's do it. And, and Sweetgrass was awesome. Cause they nailed it. Like, They're I don't so think good. any other production company could have done that project and it hadn't been done that well, it would have sucked. Yeah. You know? really and, weird. And then the music, I don't know if you've become familiar with Paul Cawthon, but I didn't like, know any of that music. So Paul Coffin is like my favorite artist and I tried to use his music in Snow Pony and his manager wanted like four times the entire music budget for like one song. And then like, but both Zeppelin and I are obsessed with his music and we're like this, the whole project was like inspired off the visuals from one of his music videos and we're like, has to be Paul. And uh, I ended up like basically stalking Paul and like going to a music festival to try to like bump into it. And then I did bump into him and then I had a friend of a friend who like kind of gave me his phone number, which is like low key sketch. And so I was like kind of hanging in. Super creeped. Yeah. So creepy. Like, uh, Zach Ram is the the producer from Sweetgrass. He's like, Oh, you manifested this Amy. And I'm like, no, no, no. I just stalked this poor man. You're giving every listener like there's hope. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so it was cool. Cause like his manager again, wanted so much money. And I sent this like heartfelt text to Paul and he ended up like, he didn't respond. Like, he was like, I text Paul and he like, sometimes like double taps it for like a heart, but like, he doesn't really respond. So yeah. he never responded to this like super long text I sent him. But then like three days later, we got an email from his manager that agreed to our budget, which was the 20th of what he wanted, you right. know? And then, so it was so validating because that the project was so rad and getting so involved with getting the music was like, just made it like this big mountain. I felt like I climbed to bring it all together. 
And Todd and I went to, we've been to a bunch of his shows and over the course of the shows, I've kind of made friends with the piano player. Um, and so we were at a show of Paul's this summer in San Francisco and the, I saw the piano player after the show. I was like, Hey Parker, like it's Amy. And he's like, Oh, Amy, come backstage. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Later Todd. <laughs> so Todd comes with me. Thank God. Everybody loves Todd. And uh, we go back there and like, we walk in the green room or whatever. And, and Parker, the piano player we know, um, is like, Hey guys, like these are my friends, Amy, Todd and Paul. Paul Cawthon, the main guy, he's like, oh, Amy, Amy Ingerbretson, you made the ski movie. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I love that. That was so sick. And I just like melted, right? <laughs> like I was just never been so starstruck or like happy or whatever. I was just like, it was, it was really validating as well. Like and then we like drank a bunch of beers in the green room and it was, it was, it was that, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that project was, I just don't, I don't know if I'll ever have the opportunity to do something that's just so uniquely me that like, I don't really think anyone else could have made that project. Right. Like right, not without it just being acting. Right. Mad like, Madison Rose could maybe make that project. Madison Rose can do anything she wants. She and she do has anything. no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and still be like, life's red. Have you seen her feet? I don't know how that girl's so jolly with feet like that. That is like yeah. We were together in Portillo this year, and she was recovering from that ankle surgery. And it's it's hard because I was going into my double foot surgery, so but my feet don't look nearly as bad as hers. But um, we did ask her for feet pics last month, and she was like, "I was like, this is gonna be the weirdest question I'm gonna ever message you, but can you send us feet pics?" Because Jim Ryan was on the show, like, "Dude, you gotta see your feet," and I had just had her on the podcast, like. She can do anything. She can but sing. I, she can dance. Your voice ski. is insane. I told her, I was like, Madison, stop being a pro skier and move to LA. Like you're, you're too talented for this small of a swimming pool. Like get out of here. Yeah. Don't abuse your don't body. Ski for fun. I was like, this is my advice to you. Like as your mentor, literally get out of this pool and go find a bigger it's one. Like you Billy know? Madison where he's like, leave, get out of here. <laughs> uh, was that terminal cancer? In that? Yeah, okay. it was. Yep. Which it was a, it was um the worst skiing ever. Like it was like this weird, like it was basically unskiable that day. And I think if we hadn't had the FPV drone in there, because it was kind of crazy to be in terminal cancer with an FPV drone, like three feet away from yeah, my it's head. Insane. You know? And it, and we wanted to kind of like have it this moment of like dancing where you're kind of like going back and forth with the drone, which I think we did, but I could like barely ski it. It was like this, it was like, four inches of like really weird grapple and it felt like trying to ski down a bunch of like unconsolidated velcro <laughs> so the only way you could move through space is if your skis were like out of the snow right, right. like and i ended up like hiking up and down that thing like i brought my buddy dylan griffin came out from tahoe to like meet me out there because he had never skied it and i was like hey i'm gonna ski this thing tomorrow like do you want to come ski with it's me? Super you know? fun. It takes 40 minutes. You know, it'd be fun. And, uh, you know, he hikes up to the top with me and ski down or whatever. And then I basically hike back up and down it like six more times. Yeah. <laughs> like it's... running, right? Because everybody's like waiting. Everyone's waiting. And there was also a ton of other people in the shoot that day because that thing's like a highway. Um, I think there was probably like 14 other skiers. I like, skied it that day. I've skied it a bunch. Um, but I skied it last year. If these people are listening, I'm sorry. But it was like up to like our thigh boot pack. Snow is super stable, but there was snow in there. Like it was good. And these kids broke trail the whole time. And then I'm like waiting at top. 
and I'm like, they set the boot track. I'm like waiting. I'm like, are you guys going to go? Like, I can't sit up here. They're like having beers and like making a day. And I'm like driving to Tahoe. So like, I'm like, this is a blip on my map. Not that this podcast is about me, but so I drop and I fucking rip it. Like it was, I've skied it. I always ski it because I drive across countries and it's just like halfway between Utah and Tahoe. Like it's great. Yeah. Best turns, like top tier (laughs) turns. Amazing. I get a fucking Instagram. So I don't know how this kid finds me if it's like on my van or something. And he's like, not cool, dude. And I'm like, what did you want me to do? Like, just wait for you guys to eat sandwiches and like, but I just destroyed the whole line and got out of there real quick. (laughs) Oh my God. At least, at least it can be good. I know a lot of times it's actually not very good skiing, but no, it's just cool. Like, it's just like, it's really cool. It's fun and when it's, it's really springy. accessible. It was one of those things where, like, again, Zepp, that was Zeppelin's idea because he really wanted to shoot it with an FPV drone. And I was like, dude, that thing's so played. Like, I'm not a Kular skier. Like, that's not my vibe. It's so cool, though. And it's so and recognizable. Like, do it. And I was like, okay. And then it was sick. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so recognizable. It's sweet. Uh, 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 where are we going? I'm trying to jump because I got a lot of stuff, but I don't need much filler here. We're chatty Kathy. <laughs> We are chatty Cathy's. Uh, I have something I actually want to, I have a couple questions I actually want to ask you, but uh, let's talk about Art of Confidence. This oh is, my God. This is, it's not out yet, right? It's coming out on like the uh, first episode of Drop on the 18th. Okay, so yeah, it's coming 18th. out soon. What is it? What are we doing? Uh, there's a little teaser on there. You talk about like, it's okay to be scared, which is yeah. refreshing. But what, What's the thought behind this project? What is this project? What are we looking at? Yeah, I'm really excited about this project. It's it's um, it's a project with Spider, and the way it came to be is actually really cool. Spider came to me and was like, "Hey, uh, we don't have any women that work in the marketing department at this brand, um, and we've been told we need to put together a new female brand campaign. Um, will you do it? Will you direct it?" Like, can you steer this ship? And I was like, hey, that's really cool. And I was like, let's get all the athletes involved. And basically, we all got together. And Spider basically just gave us the space to say, like, what do you want to see out in the world? And how can we, like, help you make it? And it was really cool because it's a group of athletes that are pretty different. So it's myself and Lorraine Huber, who, like, we have a little bit in common, but we don't know each other very well. She's a European skier from the Freerado Tour. And then another athlete, Alice Merriweather, and she's a young up-and-coming ski racer who just keeps obliterating her body with these crazy crashes. And and then uh, Julia Tano, and she's a park skier from Switzerland. And so, you know, the four of us basically didn't really know each other. Um, and like on paper, didn't have like a ton in common. And so we had these weekly meetings where we were just like spitballing on like, what we were going through and what's important to us and what, what do basically like what we came to is like, well, well, what we want to put out there is what, what we as women want, wish someone had told us or given us the space to hear. And what we really want is for women to feel comfortable and confident in their own skin. And I think that's just really hard for women of all walks of life for many reasons. And I'm not saying that men don't deal with this. I just think that it's something with women, like, especially as athletes, like without testosterone, like confidence is all we have, right? Like we don't get to falsify confidence with testosterone. If I could just like jam a needle into my thigh on top of lines with like a bunch of testosterone, I would, you know? (laughs) But like, we just kind of, you know, what do we want to say to women 
and what do we as women want to hear from other women? And that's where we kind of came up with this idea of like, well, we want women to feel comfortable in their own skin and, and have true confidence and how that's going to carry with them in their lives as non-skiers. But then also you know, affect them as skiers and on the hill too, right? Like that's really when you're interacting with female skiers of all levels, like they're just trying to grasp and find confidence. And through that, we kind of have this cool arc where there's going to be four episodes and each episode is going to kind of center around a different theme. And so those themes are, um, the first theme is fear which is like a pretty easy place to start and just kind of talking a little bit in a different way about fear than I think a lot of athletes or um, action sports media really do, where you just kind of glorify this like ballsy act and that, Oh my God, you're so amazing. Where it's like, actually the internal struggles we go through and, you know, my trauma that I live with still to this day from being buried in an avalanche and the fact that each of us kind of have these different relationships with fear and, and really what I think we need to hear a lot of times is that like it's okay to be afraid it's okay to be scared and it's okay to then do it anyway you know and I think this idea of trying to like overcome your fears I personally don't love that narrative or like that speech and I, and I really don't love that for when you're talking to women either as a woman to woman or you know men talking to women. I just think it's like a different space. And then the other episodes are going to deal the, one of the themes is going to be imperfection where Alice talks a lot about her history with eating disorders. And it turns out that we all have a history of eating disorders, which is, I think, again, like really relatable, you know, with women again in the ski industry, but outside. Um, and then we have an episode that's going to be kind of talking all about um, mentorship and just like finding mentorship within like the ski industry and within athletic women and where kind of we, how we deal with like the weird competitive spirit of women kind of meshing with like this weird scarcity uh, tokenism that we've all kind of come through to get to a place where maybe that's not happening as much anymore. Um, and how it's, that's made it really hard to find good mentors and to be a good mentor. Um, so anyways, it's like this kind of this deep dive that's like really, not that much about skiing, right? And it's just really cool that Spider basically just gave us the platform and the support to make this project that's like pretty off the map for like what I think, I think a lot of like women's campaigns and projects are like trying to get to this place. But I think our project um, goes quite a bit deeper than anything else I've seen. And I think we really go there with some like pretty not skiing happy smiling pow subjects right um and we had claire brown come in to direct it she works with lindsey vaughn with apres productions and she i mean i just can't praise her enough she's done such a beautiful job of like coming into this basically like we worked on this concept for a year before we put anything on hard drives um, and that was us girls together once a week on Zoom, just like hashing it out. And through the process, we become like best friends, you know, like Lorraine just had a baby. We're on like a group text together and checking in on how everybody like uh, Alice finally just got cleared to like start like walking. And she's like almost going to be able to ski after like four surgeries from this last um, from this last crash she had, which was crazy. And um, I'm, I'm so excited for it to come out because I think it's uh, just different. And I, again, like I just respect spider so much for saying like, Hey, here's, here's the resources you need and the platform to, to tell your story, how you want to tell it. And I haven't had that happen with another brand before. Also, 
how cool, and I don't know how it all went, but like what you just said, Spider being like, hey, we don't have any females on our marketing team. Help us. Because I think a lot of brands, a lot of people, like they're admitting their faults. Like, hey, we should probably have a female on here. We don't. We're not going to knee jerk and just hire somebody because like we're supposed to fill. But like we have a female team. Help. You're on our team. You're an asset. What do you think we should do? Totally. It, it was like such a great thing. And I've loved the team of Spider that I work with there. And I just, even when we were kind of shopping the idea around to different like directors and, and people to help us do the project, we were getting that feedback from other people like, wow, this is like so cool that like Spider's doing this for you girls. Um, and I'm just, I'm so excited for it to come out. And we have, you know, I think what was really important to us when making the film, I think it's very a good thing, but also a trendy thing right now for female projects to be like top to bottom, like all female produce, which like I appreciate for this project. What was very important to us is that the decision makers were female. So the director, female, we're producers, we're, we're credited with producers on the project. Um, but we have Eliel Hindred editing it and he's who edited Boots Over Brim. And I think he's a wizard. And we had um, Nick Callas do a lot of the helping with the videography. And he's just like a really cool, supportive spirit who is really rad to have. Because we basically we filmed all the content for the project in a week. We spent a week together this summer in Steamboat, all four of us athletes. And we kind of have these interesting like off snow scenes that we all filmed to kind of like exemplify different um things that we're talking about mixed with like archival ski footage. So like my, the episode on fear is kind of like the one that I anchor, like my story anchors. And so we filmed this like very elaborate pool drowning scene, which was actually really difficult for me. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but like stuff like that, where we get really pretty creative and like, again, like it's a ski brand. And I think we're approaching this as like trying to touch skiers and all people. I think that there's going to be, takeaways for men in this project as well you know because i think it's going to just be really compelling like our our goal is is complete transparency and vulnerability and i think when you're willing to pull the mask down and actually give that i think it's going to resonate with anybody who watches it right yeah i think i mean i watched the trailer and i was intrigued and like it's very short trailer it's like 60 seconds and i'm like tell like i want to know what? more What's happening? <laughs> right. Um, and I do like your transparency with like, because I might get canceled for saying this, but like I love all the female filmers, female, like that's awesome. But like I would love a place, and I understand we're not there yet, where like can just get any human who's really good at what they do, male, female, like we were really male for a long time. Even if the females were way better, the male got the job. And like now I think we have to push towards this, like, let's get a bunch of females doing rad shit, and then maybe all the idiots running the world will be like, oh, why don't we just hire who's qualified? Yeah. And like, so I think that that's what we hope for, for sure. And I think, like, watching the the transition over the course of my career of, of women's place in the ski industry obviously has changed and improved so much. But I do think, like, again, like, with the projects, like this project that I'm working on now, having it be such a female-motivated message – I just wanted the the decision, like the person in power. Oh, maybe. I love it. And but that's something that for me, when I look around our ski industry is still not happening that much. Like there's a couple, 
But I would love to see more women in decision-making positions, whether that's at brands or media companies or wherever. And I think that that's a place where we still have some, you know, striving Gross. to get to, to kind of get, and that, and that's that's in the world at large too, right? Oh, um, whole thing. But to to your point. But it doesn't need to be girls club all the time, no, every time. But and it doesn't always need to be only women and it doesn't always need to be dancing in the cat. You know, like if you want to dance in the cat, fine. But like, it doesn't have to be our only option for this, like to get a strong clip. female right. presence. Um, but also like I, the top, but <laughs> the top people qualified for that job were you four, four. Yeah. Four. Like yeah. that's, so that's cool. And then like, if another project rolls around, like, Claire Brown, the director we brought in, she was just, she nailed it. You know, she really qualified for the job and we couldn't have picked anyone better because she resonated so much with what we were trying to say too, right? Like she saw it. She felt it. Yeah, I'm not made for that job. I can listen and like pretend that I understand, but like I'm blonde hair, blue eyed, like I'm okay. So this year, so this coming year, I'm doing a totally different project and I've partnered with TGR to do it. And I'm, you know, I'm focused on a totally different message for this project. So like, I'm not, well, ultimately I'm, you know, producing and directing, co-directing the film. So like I am a female in a decision-making role in the film, but um, again, like it's, I'm not, I'm working, probably going to work with mostly men on this project, you know? Which I think is okay sometimes too. I just think we need balance. We need a little more balance in this world. Um, I'm going to jump because we need to, <laughs> I don't want to have you for too long. We're going over. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm good. Okay. I'm hydrated. <laughs> You're hydrated. Uh, K2 to atomic. Yeah. It's been awesome. It Congrats. was crazy. Like I was with K2 for almost nine years. So it's like a really long time. For and sure. I was pretty like ingrained in the brand. And so I was really nervous about a switch. Um, and the switch was K2's idea, you know, it wasn't my idea and I was pretty surprised by it. Um, and I, you know, it was, it was, it was a bit earth shattering, right? Like you're just like, my whole identity, like, what am I going to do? And what I did is I was like, okay, you were, you know, drawing board here. Like if you are going to go out right now to the store, to the ski shop and purchase Skis and boots. What a concept. What what are you, what would you buy? And I was like, Atomic. You know, I would go buy Atomic boots and Atomic skis. I'm going to email them. This feels like a pitch. And I, and I, because I kind of had been in touch with them over the years, you know, when there's contracts are coming up and um, I, I hit them up and they were just like, this is perfect. You're exactly what we need right now. Timing's perfect. Everything's awesome. And I was like, no way. Like it was that easy. That easy. It, it, you know what? It really was. And I think what was interesting is um like I was got my gear, first day riding it, get on KT, Todd's riding with me. I sit down on the chair and he's just like, you know what? It just it fits you. Like this brand just fits you. Like it already looks natural and you've been on the product for five minutes, you know, and, and I immediately just like gelled with the product. Um, the atomics philosophy behind female product kind of being more geared towards your unisex is much more like in line with what I ski and, and how I view hard goods for women and such. And I just like, it's been awesome. Like I love the skis and I, the brand is super like 
skiing motivated, you know, like everybody there is diehard skiers. They're really good skiers. And I think it's it, these times as a skier, as an athlete, when you come upon these times where you need to, to shift gears, you know, um, it's really daunting. And yeah, I was, terrifying. I mean, I was like devastated by like this whole situation. Right. And then to have it kind of like fall into place, like almost like it was supposed to happen, you know? Um, and then be so happy with the product and the people. Like, I just feel like I kind of like struck gold basically. Um, but it did, it was like it for, for such a big transition. It just, it felt on my end, just natural. And it's been awesome. I mean, I miss the one thing I miss the most about K2 is my girls, you know, I had McKenna, uh, Peterson and Lexi DuPont. We had our little like K2 girl gang going pretty strong over there. McKenna Uh, was just on, uh, the other show yesterday, I think. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know she did one yesterday. I think she's, I think it dropped yesterday. Oh yeah. Um, Lexi's been dodging my emails. Well, she's an email. We all are. I mean, I was kind of dodging. Oh, I don't care. She's like, let's do it when I'm in Japan. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. So I was like, I'll reach out. And then she's like, oh, I can't do it while I'm in Japan. I'm like, I know. Like, how about like February? Like, that's that's textbook Lexi. I don't care. I'm not. (laughs) Trust me. I'm okay. I will survive. But yeah, it feels like uh, we broke up the band a little bit because uh, I mean, had a decade of shredding with those girls and doing. It is easier to do projects with people you have common sponsors with at this point, right? Um, but that being said, I just went on this like atomic team trip to Baldface for all of the the riders that ride the Bent collection, the Bent family. Oh yeah. And it was me. I was there with the blondes and Ari Tracomi and Nick McNutt and Kai and Chris and Chetler and Dirty. And we just like, it was so fun. And yeah, not a bad group of humans to be with. Yeah, it's not a bad new band. I'm like with the blonde. I'm like, I know I'm like a little older than you guys, but like, I'm, I'm blonde. Like, I'm, hip. blonde. I'm like, hip. Check this out. Like, how can I get in on this? You know? <laughs> And they gave you a project like right away. Like they did the um the, the mountains are your series. are your playground, right? That's yeah. what we're calling it. Yeah, it was they did this kind of series about their backland skis, um, kind of having three different personalities of people that use touring equipment. And I represented like the playground um episode, which is which is actually so perfect because like I mean I like literally I will never be that person. It's like the up is as good as the down. I'm like, I'm I know I, I heard that line. <laughs> I say that shit. I like the up. I'm not, that's not my vibe. Like I am not ever going to be like skiing in snow boots to like save weight. Like no way, man. It's just a way I love skiing. I love skiing downhill in the fall line. And like touring is a means to an end to do that. And sometimes do that in really good conditions and sometimes do that in actually terrible conditions. Like you like walk all the way up this shit and then you have, and it's like, what was that? That I was terrible. Toured a groomer crazy. last night. I mean, yeah, that's not my vibe, you know? <laughs> it's not a choice right now. I just have to. I mean, I'm not in your situation. I have to I be in shape. I power all the time because yeah. I live on the West Coast in 2023 and it just hammers. So. I don't know what is happening out there right now, but I'm You like... start driving West sooner, I think, Adam. I just I think the time's now. I go to Jackson for Kings and Queens and they'll get skunked. So that'll be great. And then I go I'm going to Austria. I'm going to Banff. Like I got some good trips, but I'm just trying to have like Jessica, my significant other, like not hate me completely. Because yes. I'm like, it's work, I swear. And then I'm just like Pah. So yeah. 
I'm just surviving. I'm not blaming her. I got my own shit going on. Um, I should have. <laughs> I should have came that way. That's on me. It's it's good. I'm in Utah right now, but home is is Tahoe, California. It's been crazy out there. I got so skunked in Tahoe last year too. No, that'll happen. Oh, it was the war. <laughs> Whatever. I just missed last year. I was out there a lot. I missed it. I missed last year. Like my job is to score and I just like whiffed oh. the whole season last year. So I don't think that was a you thing. I don't know. People got it. You just had I'm to not- be in Utah in April when like no one was in Utah. Like, oh, season's I was, over. I was in Tahoe for those, for those April storms. And that's when we got all the content for the Backland yeah. project. We had already filmed it, wrapped it. And like, it was just a bunch of really bad, like, cause this, the corn skiing was even bad last year. Cause like something happened with the, I don't know. We didn't even get our sick corn season until after then we got that April storm. And we were out on the sleds, like April 22nd, like seven Creek crossings to get to the zone. Yeah. Which, like, I didn't know how to cross a Creek. I didn't fall off into a creek till on the way home. So So you got the shots. I nailed it basically. I mean, I went in the drink, but I nailed it. <laughs> oh, see where where I grew up, we we did pond crossings like all summer. That was like what we did. They were like we were it would be like all the snow down like into yeah, the creek. That's the hard the transition. Like vertical back out of the creek and I'm like what? <laughs> um We'll get you out of here. I promise. I'm just. Oh no! To... I feel like I'm the one who keeps going on all the tangents. Yeah, but I got a lot of quit. No, I don't. Um, well, what were the ones that you really wanted to ask me? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. There's so <laughs> many here. There's just like, I want to make sure that I hit the ones we wanted. I really wanted to talk about that new project. Um, I'm for uh, art of confidence. Like I wanted to make yeah. sure we hit that because that's important. I have another timely. cool new project I'm working on too, though. Um, oh, please tell like us. Art- Art of Confidence is kind of like in a way like last year's project that's coming out now. We just, um, for timing, didn't kind of release it in the traditional ski media window of the fall. We decided to try out a mid-season release and see how that goes. Um, But for this winter coming out next fall, I applied for a Protect Our Winners grant to make a film. Okay. And I got it. Congrats. Uh, yeah um it was a nine page single spaced grant application (laughs) did you write it yeah who i what my assistant like (laughs) i don't know i would have paid some guy on fiverr to do it no uh poured poured my heart and soul into it and it worked out and so the project i'm working on this year is a little bit harder than line dancing um i am making a film and it's going to be a snowmobiling and sled access skiing climate change film called The Hypocrite. Oh, my God. I had this in here. I'm not even kidding. And it's all about kind of taking it square on and addressing kind of the elephant in the room of like all of us athletes advocating for the climate, but then living these lives that are totally carbon um, heavy in some ways, some people perceive it that way. Um, but that, that also that's kind of like, uh, I think a lot of people in our community, right? And so we wanna really squarely address individualized guilt and individual, individual action versus systemic action and kind of this idea of the power we could have in our community if we spent a lot less time pointing fingers at each other and calling out everybody's imperfections and flaws and, and really embraced imperfect advocacy and came together and, and found real unity in our community of like outdoor enthusiasts that, that includes more people than just, you know, the quintessential climate advocate type user group that we think of the climbers and the hikers and the tourers. Right. And, you it know, affects that kind of all thing. of us. 
it's a whole thing. It's all of us. And, and even if you're touring, you're still, you know, at some point you're burning carbon, like nobody's perfect. And so if we could find that unity, that's how we could have actual systemic effect and action to hopefully create the option for better choices in the future. A lot of us make the best choices we can with the options we're given. And I think I'm not trying to say that like what you do as an individual doesn't matter. Like you have to live and examine life, but we, Oh, I will make these choices. We can't make a difference on our own. Oh, I, I am like, I could go into this for ever because I have a lot of like, I'm so annoyed with all of it, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I'm like, okay, I just had this conversation last week, too. It's like, I buy a brand new Ford Lightning electronic vehicle, right? The new, whatever it is. It's 70 grand. Great. Crippling. Who's making it? Where are we making it? The batteries, lithium, whatever they are, is like the new blood diamond. So, like, some small countries getting just destroyed. And, like... I don't know enough about anything to know if that Ford Lightning, how it's manufactured, will ever offset. Like, how long do I have to keep this vehicle? And, like, I am agreeing with you. And, like, it needs to, like, individuals matter. We should make better choices. But, like, it needs to be a systematic change. Like, it can't just be. Well, not a systematic change. It needs to be a systemic change. It oh, that's to- the word I meant to say. Oh. Just not intelligent. Yeah, and that's, but that's but it has to be systematic too, right? Right. But like, I think that like understanding what that means. Um, I was actually having a conversation with um, Hans from Armada today. We were in the office with Todd getting stuff, and he was talking about like if you're a business manager and you run a business and somebody comes in and buys you, or someone from the top comes in and says, "Hey, you need to cut your budget." You don't go into that budget and start at the very bottom weeding out lunches and, you know, parking validations oh, I love you this. The top and you find the you know, four most expensive things and you cut those way back. And that's where you make a big, big, big change in your budget. And I thought that was a really like poignant example of like what needs to happen in this industry and or in our world. world. Is what I yeah. Say. I think that like. Yeah. Okay. Like if you want to bag on electric cars or whatever, like, sure. I think it's important to remember that like all of this technology is in its infancy at the beginning of any technology, it it sucks, you know, like at the beginning of cars, horses were better, you know, Uh, the first telephones were total crap, you know? And so, I mean, remember the original internet with the horrible sound? I wish we had it to be like, that was terrible. And so I think that more the point is, is that like, we need to have this major, major change. And, and, and to have that happen, we need to have a lot of unity and we can't be pointing fingers like, Oh, you snowmobile. I'm like, well, you have a wake surf boat. Like what, you know what I mean? Like nobody's perfect. And I think we really need to at POW and like in our little world of the outdoor industry, which is actually so much bigger and so much more powerful than you would ever realize we need to come together and we need to invite these user groups that maybe don't fit this like traditional uber liberal, you know, typecast of a climate advocate. Cause these people care about the environment too. And I think that like I, my goal with this film is to uh, protect our winners has done a really good job internally of like educating us as Alliance members of like, 
how to talk about these things, how to deal with our own perceived hypocrisies and how to, uh, you know, navigate these waters. And I think we haven't had an opportunity to put any of that kind of narrative in, out into like a forward facing medium. And I think that hypocrite is going to be our kind of, they, they did this project that Grant Zimmerman, Graham Zimmerman, it called the imperfect advocate. And, and it was, it, it was a good step in that direction. And I think with the hypocrite, we're just kind of going to go there a little deeper. And um, yeah, I mean, I just think that even to me, like this concept of even talking about an individual carbon footprint, first thing is that actually that concept that those exact words was actually invented by the fossil fuel industry with oh. the specific name of creating individualized guilt to deunify people. For and again, sure. to learn more about that, not to, direct you to other podcasts, but there's this podcast by Amy Westervelt called Drilled. And it is a really great place. If you want to learn some like interesting, non-partisan fact-based, like how do I care about the environment? How do I navigate these waters? Not like science, like climate change is real, like more the business and like the dynamics of what's going on with climate change and climate denial. Drilled podcast is a really, really great resource. Um, and I'm hoping to have Amy Westervelt involved in the project as well. But yeah, that would be um, awesome. I do like my question. What I had written down was, do you feel pressure to like tell people like your carbon footprint after like at the end of um, your love story with your snowmobile? I can't remember I right this second. But like yeah. you had to say like, but that sucks. You shouldn't have to like. Brody Brody Levin goes on a trip and he's like, I understand I'm flying and I understand that as an advocate I shouldn't. They're like fuck like he shouldn't have to say that he's still human i mean we're in this era where like everybody's under a microscope and everybody has an opinion and then you have this little weapon you know behind your screen that you can use or or not use or whatever and i i i don't think that carbon offsets are actually a very good solution but it's kind of like a little bit of a thing that we have right now again like i personally would hope that we kind of move further and further away from even kind of talking about personal carbon footprints at this point because i've find with all the things I've learned through all my work with POW that it's actually kind of counterproductive and it ends up just kind of making a spiral in this, you know, you're, you're, you're paralyzed hate. in this imperfection of it. Right. And so is it better to be an imperfect person taking action or a perfect person standing on the sidelines and saying like, Hey, you know, I need my truck. I'm a contractor. And again, like this film, I'm going to use snowmobile skiing as like uh, the, the illustrator brush of this grander problem that maybe you fly a lot for work. Maybe you are a construction worker and you drive a big truck, like whatever, like everybody's different life has reasons where we, we, we burn carbon to make our lives work because that's the option we have right now. Um, anyways, it's, it's going to be a pretty crazy project. I'm going to hopefully have, or I'm, the, the vision is to have multiple other skiers involved, professional snowmobilers, and also some of the Protect Our Winter Science Alliance kind of experts to bring in some actual data, not really around climate change, but around like systemic action basically yeah what can we actually do what can we well, and where, does the, where does it actually have effect and i think a really important thing to for like people in the outdoor space and that's like the whole outdoor industry to know is that like our group our industry actually has so much power and weight that's like untapped and and this this stat i have is actually from 2019 so it's changed slightly but as of 2019 the outdoor industry was responsible for 887 billion dollars annually contributed to the us gdp 
That's a pretty big number. That's and I will big. put that number into perspective by saying that at that same time, the fossil fuel industry, it was only contributing about 350 billion, 100 billion. And the pharmaceutical industry was in the 400s. So the outdoor industry is twice as big as the pharmaceutical industry, an industry we think of as being typically very heavy weighted in the lobbying kind of industry like world and then and say you know more than twice as big as the fossil fuel industry and so if, if we take that because pow talks a lot about the outdoor state and that's kind of like this group of people 50 million people that like if you added all those people up and had them vote in a certain way you know that would be a a larger voting group than any state in the union right and when you take those kind of numbers and and especially the economics of it I think it's a place where I draw a little bit of hope that if like we could get some unity here, like we actually do have strength in numbers to be a meaningful cause of change in this issue. And and obviously I think, you know, that time frame where, you know, oh, leave your politics off the chairlift or off the trail. You know, that we don't have that luxury anymore because we're not gonna have chairlifts or trails to use unless we kind of engage in these spaces and like I just, I really want to invite more people to this party and I want to make more, because I feel like in my own life, there's so many people that are like, yeah, my heart's in the right place, but like, I'm, I can't be there because my, I would be a hypocrite. Right. Oh, I'm and a hypocrite. A hundred percent. We're all hypocrites, but that's, 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 that's what that's it is right point. now. Right. And that's not enough of a reason to not engage. Uh, I'll have you know this podcast is provided with 100% renewable energy from the there sun. we go. Look at that from the van <laughs> from the sun live from the van. This is it. Don't worry, about, don't worry about my diesel motor just blowing. And I own a Prius, so I'm like fucking two notches, like, and so many dirt bikes and so much other garbage that. But I think a lot of people don't realize how little fuel you actually use in a snowmobile for a day too. Like I can have a I huge know. day of snowmobiling on like two or three gallons of gas. It's just like so an like, easy, yeah. I'm a motor guy. I always, or engine guy, I should say. And like, it's fine. I always will be. And that's great. But I think there are, I, it's all, I don't think I need to drive a V8 to like go pick up my hypothetical kids from school. I think that would help. But I also just hate my big gripe or whatever is like, we are getting marketed that we're like doing all these things to save the planet. Meanwhile, the people that are marketing them to us are doing nothing to change. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'll buy a clean vehicle if you guys make it cleanly. And like, I hope it gets there and it's not going to happen overnight. And I'm lazy and I'll be the first to admit, like I could do better and we all could. Um, And I think I'll get there eventually, but it's like, I'm not buying an $80,000 truck to like get a tax break when like you guys make that truck shitty intentionally. So don't pawn it off on me. But that's what I'm like. The choices aren't there yet. And even like, Oh no, I'm not like arguing with you. I'm just like uh, ability to even consider your own individual carbon footprint or some of these options that like maybe would make a dent in that is such a privilege available to the majority of people and the majority of people who would be the most negatively affected by climate change. So, I mean, I, I think again, like I just want this to be a conversation that just opens up. I love Brody and I love everything he does and all the hard work he does. But I think that there's this misconception that to be involved in this conversation, to be a part of this, you need to be someone that looks exactly like, that and their life looks exactly like that and that's just not true 
Oh, I, I'm with you. Like, don't think I am arguing you for a second. I bring up Brody because I feel like, and I'm speaking. We need Brody for, doing what Brody's doing. I just sure. feel like when he does fly somewhere, he like feels this guilt. And I don't know. I need to ask him, but I'm like, you shouldn't have to feel that guilt, dude. You are like the most like clean living human. Like I've never <laughs> met so like, much big major. Right. Work You're like, too. I just um, like feel bad that him of all people feels like he has to like i'm flying to dc but i am like unfortunately in our current like situation in this like era of kind of this oh falling out i mean he's under a microscope so yeah so i've partnered with tgr to make this film which i think is really cool that tgr is great because a little a lot of ways i feel like being part of this film you're kind of like putting your chin out for a big punch or seven oh you're gonna get so much we're gonna get hammered but but that's okay I'm willing. Oh, it's great. Worthy cause. And I think it's awesome that the brands, TGR, are willing to come up and, and put their toe on the line with me and put their chin out. Yeah, they're going to get popped. But, but okay. Like, what are you going to do? Call me a hypocrite? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, we posted on our small Instagram handle, we posted something about protect our winners or we were donating and someone commented brainwashed fools. So that was the comment. That was it. Just brainwashed fools. So we printed it on a T-shirt and sold a hundred of them, and then donated to protect our winners in his name. Like that's what we like, but it's just like that's what you took out of your day. Just scroll by, don't donate. If you think it's fake, scroll. I don't care. Like scroll yeah. by. I, and like those are the kind of people that I want to talk. I'm trying to talk to with this project, or even that I think like protect our winners in general is trying to talk to you. I think we're trying to talk to the people that are like they're there. They just feel like hypocrites. Oh, you're talking to me. I'm your audience. I ride dirt bikes all winter, all summer, and I feel bad about it. I love snowmobiling. I don't own one at this moment, but like, same. Like, I burn diesel and drive across the country in a van so I can go skiing. Like, that's, I'm a hypocrite. Like, protect our winners. Oh, also, it's $6 a gallon, and I'm going to burn the shit out of it to drive to California. Like, where then it'll be $7 or $8 a gallon. (laughs) Right. And it won't snow. And then I'll be like, oh, it's snowing in Buffalo. Like, it's to me, I am your audience and I'm, you know, an educated human being. And like, I don't understand it and I want to, and I, I don't know how to help and I need to do better. And like, that's great. Cause I think, I don't know. I'm excited to watch it. I think it's a film for you coming fall 2023. I can't wait. Are you going to do a big tour and spend a bunch of diesel fuel driving around? <laughs> Probably some, some jet fuel too. Um, I don't know. I think that our, um, trajectory with this film will be a little bit decided by who we end up having direct it right now. We're in the process of kind of getting that sorted. Um, I think it'll be something we hope to take to the non outdoor industry film festivals. Um, but protect our winners has their own little film festival uh, called the Stoke Fest that they hope to grow next year. Obviously TGR knows a thing or two about touring a film and then Todd and I actually have our own little uh, film tour that we do too called the Powtown Revival. I just heard about this. Yeah. Uh, Jake's, uh, what was in it? Bar Fight was in it. Jake Hopfinger's yeah. little film. Yeah. Well, Benchy. We Benchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, we started, Todd, it actually something Todd started a while back, like with Armada, where he was just getting together like all his favorite edits and then like showing them at like a brewery here in Salt Lake. And then I came in, I was like, let's make this like professional and do a logo and, and like Amy it, you know? And Todd's like, God damn it. I don't even like the name. Let's Amy you know? it. 
<laughs> and so we ended up like kind of it's this year was our second year of doing it as the Powtown revival. And um, we kind of just cherry pick projects. Our kind of hope is to give projects that maybe aren't have, have these, some of these companies are basically media companies like a Solomon, a Red Bull, North Face, like yeah, it's essentially it's media companies. So there's a lot of films coming out and a lot of things coming out that, that don't have these media giants behind them that are really, really great, like Bar Fight. And they should be seen on a big screen with a loud sound system and like all your friends. And so it's kind of our goal with it is to keep it like super grassroots, low key. We don't do ticket sales. Shows are free. Usually there's like free beer or drinks. And um, it's just like uh, we want to provide a pretty different experience to the other tour experiences that are out there um, and kind of just do something that's super community oriented. And, and it's honestly just about like the, the things that we're seeing come out that like we love and we think people shouldn't watch on their phones, you know, like, and it's, I know I think Jake had like great things to say about it. Um, we talk about it a little bit on the air, but off the air and like, you know, cause that was my question filming with a Benchy, which is more of like your buddies or filming with TGR and being in magic hour. And he's like, I got it. Like I have to do both. Cause like yeah. TGR is great. And like, that's, it's TGR. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. And like, how could you be mad about that? But like, also like going skiing for 10 days with my friends and creating something, but then no one sees it. And I have well, sponsors. Having, to a, having a voice and creating whatever it is you're creating. Cause like as skiers, like we're more like artists than like NFL players. Cause like our job is to like, yeah, ski good. But like, our job is to create something that then is going to like be, that, that we then share with people that then they're going to want to like, it's going to, you know, create some sort of emotion in them, you know? And I think that when you work with the bigger film companies, you don't always get as much control or like say or outlet in the creative side of things. And so that's why it's, I mean, in a situation, I mean, Jake has a match made in heaven right there to have like the, the homie crew and the mega crew. I mean, that's, yeah, it's a, and he's just like an world. insane big line skier, which is. Yeah. But we also showed like Sammy Carlson's film, which was right. like. Yeah, but still like that, you know, that like, doesn't get the reach that. Like, but even that like doesn't have a tour other right. than Powtown right. Revival. Like that was the primary tour for Sammy Carlson. Like arguably the best thing I've seen come out in skiing for a really long time. His film this year. PTR. And, you should call it PTR instead of like TGR and PTR. PTR. <laughs> Careful, I'm on good terms with TGR right now. Oh, yeah, now. we love TGR. If you want to buy <laughs> this podcast and then cancel me, that's internal documentation on Powtown Revival is referred to as PTR, so. All right, that counts. Like Todd yeah. and I's really official Google Drive that we have. Yeah, for that like anyone could probably find with a Google search TGR that's like not, not private <laughs> at all. Um, yeah. Cool, I can't wait for the hypocrite. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm like really nervous. I'm pretty freaked out, right? Don't like, I'm be like, nervous. Oh, You're good at what you do. Just own this. it. This is just like the everyone has imposter syndrome. I don't want to talk about it anymore because we're all fakes and we're all just hanging on and living by a thread. And like, you'll, it'll come out and it'll be phenomenal and it'll never see the light of day if it sucks because all your friends and family will tell you and you'll make it better. And that's how the world works. Right? I appreciate that. I need to hear that because sometimes I'm just like, oh. We all are. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm interviewing pro athletes. I'm a pile of garbage. I don't know. Like, who, I, you're just having fun. That's what you're supposed to do. That's life. And like, well, it sounds like you need to watch Art of Confidence first. Oh no, I don't need any confidence. I'm good right where I am. If I was confident, it'd be bad for everybody. I think. Like, 
It's like if I did drugs, like you got to stay away from certain things. Like just, I need to stay (laughs) down. No confidence. I need to stay down. Like if somehow cocaine hit my nose, I'd be like, (laughs) never see me again. And just, I couldn't, I'm not like, I couldn't dabble in that ever. Some people can, we won't name names. I cannot like have to stay away. It's just the type of person. (laughs) Yeah. Drugs are bad. Confidence for me could be bad. Just stay down. That's I'm good. I, just watch the show. Oh, I'll back. watch. But like, I'll be like, this is, that's a no for me, dog. Like, I'm glad for you guys. That's a no for me. Uh, useless talent. For me? A useless talent. Yeah, oh, not oh, for oh, me. Oh, My useless oh. talent is everything I do. My use, I, I actually don't think it's useless, but Todd certainly does. I am excellent at folding linens like towels sheets like I mean, nobody knows how to fold a fitted sheet do you do I a know. tri-fold okay well the, what you need to understand about folding especially when it comes to a fitted sheet <laughs> you are in control like people give the sheet too much control it's an inanimate object you can make it into whatever shape you want because you are in control that sheet does not own you oh, man okay when you're folding, everything's so always just struggling. Linens? Like, like not. Knows. What about? I mean, no, I'm really good at folding everything too. I Marie Kondo my entire life. I'm all about vertical folding. I don't know what that is. So you put everything into like uh, you make everything into um, a uniformed rectangular shape, and then you stack it uh, vertically. And then if you were to put it in a drawer or suitcase, you rotate it horizontally Whoa. and place it in the drawer or the suitcase. So then when you open your drawer. Ding, 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 ding. You see every single piece that you have, you know, T-shirt that's folded in there or whatever. I mean, check it out. Marie Kondo. She's amazing. This is like I love folding and organizing. Like that's like I like get really excited about that stuff. But specifically, like my linen folding is on point because they are the easiest to control. Those shapes are the easiest to control. I also have a control problem. Uh, That's okay. We're here. We're here for that. We are. (laughs) Uh, we talked about your favorite music, but favorite artist. Uh, I felt like you were going to say Phil. You're not going to say this Phil guy. Paul, Paul Coffin, Paul, but like Paul at Phil. Least my actual favorite artist. Yeah. Michael Bolton. No. I love him Girl. so much. I always have. I went to a Michael Bolton concert in Reno like four years ago, and it was amazing Gross. i rushed the stage i touched his hand we made eye contact three times i don't usually judge people but i'm judging you right now. i know everybody judges me for it but like i like love michael Bolton. okay <laughs> okay will ski print media ever come back uh, i hope so i really hope so i don't know if it will i i i would love to see it come back um i've been really inspired by like what the skate industry has done with print media and what the surf industry is starting to do where like you have these more curated biannual like coffee table pieces they're still magazines but they're like i just think that people want something tangible and i think that totally and i mean i don't i don't i've never thrown away a ski magazine my entire life even the ones i'm not in i have them all like the collection of ski magazines that we have between Todd, my dad, and me, it's kind of ridiculous. But we have, I think we probably have like, I mean, this is pretty plain, but we probably have one of the most robust collections like in the country. How far back does it go? Well, with my dad, they go all the way back to oh. the early 90s because he was in those back then. 
Like my dad used to have like six photos in every issue of powder, you know? Because he was photographer so. and a skier. And then well, like he was had a skier this first. Well, and right. then he a photographer filmer. Yeah. <sighs> That's but, so yeah. I, I hope it does. And I mean Todd and I talk all the time about like wanting to do that, you know, like wanting that to be our next mission or whatever. And no idea how we'd do that or how we'd monetize it. But just even like Todd and I think about all the time with all of our friends that are photographers and skiers, like how many gorgeous images we all have that have never seen the light of day. Um, Let me just make a coffee table book. Totally. Like something it that's not... It was like a every year coffee table book and there was a mix of like archive and, but again, like, I, I think that the the print magazines the way we knew them where it's like every month and you sell ads and da da totally da. I, I don't think that that obviously is sustainable anymore. Um, but like I miss them so much and I and I and I don't understand like I I don't understand where we're supposed to uh, take in art anymore, right? Because that's not what these platforms are for, you know. Like you can't like the kind of image that looks beautiful in a magazine just doesn't even work on social media. And so I do think even the younger generation is already hungry for like tangible things. It was just a different experience that I miss. Like I, oh, it was so exciting. Like if like Adventure was- Journal shows up, I'm like, okay. And then like sometimes like I'll go pick up the mail and then like it'll sit there for like two weeks because I don't have, I want to like look at it. Well, I would, I have like a multi-pass system with ski magazines because you like get it and you flip through really quick just to like. Oh, see, I don't. Well, I also am like super vain. So I like flip through really quick to see if there's any pictures of me in there. I'm not in it. <laughs> 100%. First, first pass is a vanity pass. <laughs> I respect it, but I can't relate. And then, and then I go through and I like look at all the photos and the ads and like who has them. And because I do like a purely photo pass. And then it sits there and then you, you know, you chip away at every single article and you read through them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really hope they do. I I don't know. I think it's sad. I mean, I was out shooting today with Grant Gunderson and he's like, literally direct quote from Grant Gunderson today was like, if there was still any ski magazines, that would have been a cover. This would be in it. This would be the cover. It would have been a cover. I mean, he, like Grant Gunderson said the C word, you know? <laughs> I mean, you hit it right. You were there. You had a lot of covers. Now you just get Instagram posts. I know. It sucks because I'm, again, back to the vanity thing. I love covers. Well, yeah. So I can't get covers if there's no magazines. The only way I cover of anything is like a newspaper if I murder somebody. Like, I will never yeah. be on the cover of a magazine. What? <laughs> you don't know that. Good Top happen. 10 worst podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you could have a meal with anyone in the world, who would it be? Why and what would you eat? Could it be dead or alive? That's up to you. You can go. You can go either. Um, I would. I would love to have a ketchup, like pizza and beer with Shane McConkie, because he was such a cool figure in my life, and I was still kind of like a kid in his eyes and my eyes when he died. And he was a bit like a, one of the father figure types in my life where it would just be really cool to like, just like have a little, like, Hey man, this is how it went. Can you believe it? Like, <laughs> like this is what your daughter and your wife have been up to, you know? Like, I just think that like, he's one of those, I mean, we've, I've lost a lot of people that I wish I could like 
fucking call, you know? Um, but I think that he's one that sometimes like I find myself almost like chatting to. Yeah, but that's right? cool. That's neat. And like, it is one of those, I think for a lot of people who are your age and grew up in the Tahoe area, like he was everyone's, he was everyone's like second dad. He was like the rad and dad. Idol and friend and like arch rival somehow, like weird uncle, you know. <laughs> but he, he hit all the, I mean, I never knew him personally, but like he hit all those, like he's the guy that like farts at a funeral and you're like what the fuck dude <laughs> like, yeah, but, yeah like, i think it's cool to like just have like a and it, yeah pizza and beer it'd be cool if we were like i don't know in like the alps somewhere <laughs> all right i i love that answer that's a great answer that's a hard question because i think there's a it's well yeah a it's it's a shit question that's why that's why we like it but uh, that's that's the first name that came up do you prefer gingerbread people or houses? Houses. And I go all out. Do you okay? Do you want to know what the key move is for gingerbread houses? <laughs> How would you have a story on this? Okay, I used to have I used to host every Christmas a gingerbread making party. Like my whole life growing up. I haven't done it in my adult life for a while, but you could bring um, it back. Remember the zebra chewing gum? It's really hard to find. You have to go to these yeah. like special. It came with like tattoos. Yeah. And so you had, and so what you do is you get all the zebra chewing gum and you cut them into squares <laughs> and then you make a shingled roof with the alternating colors. It's so aces. Or you want to know what your other roof option is? Neko wafers. Do you remember those? Oh, the chocolate ones I like love. Like I would well, eat that every day. Colored ones are better for gingerbread for houses. Again, you put them in half and then you make little shingled roofs out of those. And so you could do like one side zebra gum and one side Neko wafer. I Just can't saying. believe you have a story on this. Like Next I thought time you guys are doing your gingerbread houses, maybe that should have been my more useless skill. Gingerbread roof tiling. <laughs> yeah, I think you have plenty of them. <laughs> Uh, what's something you wish you could tell your 18-year-old self? I know you're only 19, but say we go back a year. I could go back a year. Um, it's funny, like, there's, like, the positive side of me to, like, answer this question, and then there's, like, the cynical realism side of me to answer Give this question. Give the podcast answer. Like, maybe the, a little... the podcast answer is, like, um, I, I think it would just be, like, uh, Relax relax, you know, like it's, it's going to be okay. Um, it's going to be different. Um, it's going to be good. It's going to be bad. Um, it's going to be some of what you expect and it's going to be none of what you expect. And then what you thought you wanted is going to change a million times, you know? And so I think that it would just be to like, relax a little. I've always been a pretty like high intensity person, a really driven, like must crush everything person, you know? Um, and it, it's, I think, and sometimes it's like blinded me to like what actually matters to me and what's important. And, um, you know, especially when it comes to like deciding to be a professional skier, it's like, I jumped into it with so much fervor that like, sometimes you don't realize what you're signing up for, you know, when you're young and you're hungry and someone says like, Hey, follow your dreams, you know? And so I think that like, it would just be to like, just, you know, relax maybe like stop and take a breath and and see try to feel things more than just crush things you know this is similar but what is the best advice 
anyone's ever given you? So I answer this question similarly, usually because it's really, it's really good, but really weird. My dad gave me the advice when I was like an older teen, like maybe like 18, 19, like in college kind of. And he was like, Amy, and my dad's kind of a weird guy. He's like, Amy, you just need to be more like a duck. You take the water on the head and you just let it roll off your back. And I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? But like, okay, like good, good. I get it. Like, uh uh-huh. And that's, I need to hear that. Right. Like that is advice that I usually need to hear, but like, man, where'd you come up with that? That's weird. But yeah, be, be a duck, be a duck, be a duck. It's like, Mm -hmm. Be a goldfish because goldfish have short-term memories or don't have short-term memories. Isn't that what it is? I think it's what it is. But I think it's like, yeah, like you take the water on the head and it just rolls right off. I love that. <laughs> That's great. That's great advice. Be a duck. That's the name of this episode. Be a duck. duck. Except for like, I also call like bad skiers ducks. So like yeah. a new term when you're like skiing the resort and there's like people like intermediates and beginners everywhere. I call it duck surfing. Cause you're like trying oh, to like yeah. <laughs> weed your way through like the human slalom. It's my new term. I've been using this Ducks. season. People in Ducks. New England call them herbs. And I love that. Herbs. Yeah. Bunch of herbs out here. Like, what? <laughs> but be a duck. I mean, I'm one with the ducks, right? Like we're, ducks we're, fly all, together. we're all out here just trying to do the same thing. I just, Have fun. I just imagine your dad very enhanced on like some weird edibles that his friend made and like ski patrol watching like mighty ducks with like you See, being that's, like that's funny about this is that's not his vibe. Like my dad is not that guy. Like my dad is so straight edge. Like his drug speech when I was in high school was like, Amy, don't do drugs because you might like them. And I'm like, what? That's, that's a terrible drug. I'm your dad. Yeah, I'm straight edge. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, like that's a really, but he's, he, and he like, he'll drink like a beer once in a while, but he's like, not this like. Oh, never. He's not that guy. And so for this duck comment to come out of this. I'm, I'm like, your what? father. That's weird. <laughs> We're the same person. <laughs> uh, well, have your theoretical kids try a different d- drug speech. No, don't do them. Did it work? You seem okay. I mean, you might have dabbled, but who <laughs> like, cares? Like, it did work. I didn't, I didn't end up like addicted to heroin. So I guess it worked. It's a win. Good job, Dad. Good job, Dad. Don't do drugs. You might like them. That that is literally me. Like if I I'd be like, Yep. Life ruined. This is what I'm still gonna do them at like like when they tell me it's over. You're like ninety years old. You're like, all right, let's go. Yeah, like when hospice comes in, like, do you want anything? I'm like, fucking I wanna chase that dragon for the next week. Why not? That's not I mean it's funny, but it's not. Drugs are a problem. Uh, I think uh, as somebody who's been with my grandmother, she went through hospice. That's basically what it is. They give you all the good drugs and make you really happy right. and really comfortable for the last little bit. Yeah. So, Dolores, RIP, my gram. Like, you've got that to look forward to. I can't. I mean, I can wait, but I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> Amy, thank you. This was super long. So, I'm blaming you for that. I tried to get you out of it. Sorry, anybody listening. Times. I'm so bad with tangents. Um, <laughs> We have hypocrite to look forward to. We have art of confidence to look forward to like soon. This will probably come out in a week or two. So like maybe, now-ish. maybe that week now ish, uh, where can people follow you? Are we just doing Instagram? Is that the ticket? 
I well, I'm the same on TikTok as well. So Amy Ski, but my name is spelled A M I E, so that's how I differentiate myself. Amy Ski on TikTok yes. and Instagram. Um, yeah, those are the main channels. If you want to, if you want to know anything about me, you'll probably see most of it there. Perfect. Um, <laughs> do you want? You can thank sponsors here if you want. Uh, you can thank people. Well, thanks here in Nevada, Hop Splash. Perfect. Got one right here, super delicious, non-alcoholic, um, which is very nice for January um, and midweek and ski season and all the times. Um, but yeah, my awesome sponsors, Spider, Sierra Nevada, Atomic, Scott, Rumpel, and which is my blanket sponsor. Oh, hell yeah. And then Fatty. You have a Rumpel right now. What sponsor of the show. Rumpel. I love Rumpel. Show sponsor. I'm a big rumple lover. Um, and then uh, I recently just party partnered with Fatty Meat Sticks. I love that. And I'm jealous. And they're delicious. Great mountain snacks. And then, of course, I work with Palisades Tahoe and Icon Pass. I think that's all my sponsors. You know, I'm a the- very, I'm a robustly sponsored individual. I'm very lucky. You're marketable. You crush. And I love all my sponsors a lot. Like, I really, really love working with them. I'm sure they love working with you. Uh, thank you. You're, you're-